When an idiot shot up a school and killed 20 little kids, it might make a dent in the thick skulls of the take it from my cold dead hands crowd, but no! The only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, they yelled. In almost every case, the bad guy with a gun who shot up a school, theater, store, post office, or whatever, was a law-abiding citizen with a gun right up to the point where he started shooting innocent people. Hi there, this is Gary. Welcome to episode 94 of Diary of a Senior Geek, recorded on Saturday, March 27th, 2021, at 14.50 U.S. Pacific Time. That's 2.50 p.m. if you like 12-hour clocks. As usual, let's get started with some news and opinion. I just have one story this week. I don't watch the news! Less than a week after eight people were shot and killed in Atlanta, Georgia by a 21-year-old man, another 21-year-old man entered a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado and shot and killed 10 people, apparently at random, one of them a police officer. As I'm recording this, his motives are unclear, but his family says that he's had mental issues. And that's the story for this week. It was never my intention for this to be primarily a newscast. Okay, enough of that. I have one thing to talk about this week, the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. But first, a little background. Major mass shootings as we know them today started shortly after I was born in 1949. That year, a man in his 20s, there's a pattern here, killed 13 and injured three in Camden, New Jersey with a semi-automatic pistol. I'm not gonna list every mass shooting in the US since then, that would take days. But here's a list of the worst. Ten or more deaths that I found on the web. There's a link in the notes. 1966, University of Texas, 18 dead, 31 injured. This is the first one I remember. I would have been 17. 1975, Hamilton, Ohio, 11 dead on Easter Sunday. 1982, Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania, 13 dead, one injured. 1983, Seattle, Washington, 13 dead, one injured. 1984, Brooklyn, New York, 10 dead on Palm Sunday. 1984 again, San Ysidro, California, 22 dead, 19 injured in a McDonald's. 1986, Edmond, Oklahoma, 15 dead, six injured at a post office. This was the origin of the kind of dark humorous phrase of going postal for somebody who loses his, you know, who just loses control. 1990, Jacksonville, Florida, 10 dead, 6 injuries. 1991, Killeen, Texas, 24 dead, 27 injuries. 1999, Atlanta, Georgia, 10 dead, 13 injured. 1999 again, Columbine, Colorado, 15 dead, 24 injured at a high school. 2005, Red Lake, Minnesota, 10 dead, 5 injured. 2007, Blacksburg, Virginia, 33 dead, 23 injured at Virginia Tech. 
2009, Geneva County, Alabama, 11 dead, 6 injured. 2009, Fort Hood, Texas, 14 dead, 33 injured. And Fort Hood is near Colleen, Texas, where a 1991 mass shooting occurred, killing 24. 2009, Binghamton, New York, 14 dead, 4 injuries. 2012, Aurora, Colorado, 12 dead, 70 injured, at a theater. 2012, this was a bad one. Newtown, Connecticut, 28 dead, 2 injured, at Sandy Hook Elementary School. 20 of the dead were 6- and 7-year-old children. Horrendous. 2013, Washington, D.C., 13 dead, 8 injured at the Washington Navy Yard. 2015, Roseburg, Oregon, 10 dead, 8 injured at Umpqua Community College. 2015, San Bernardino, California, 16 dead, 24 injured. This is the only one that I know of that could really be called foreign terrorism. 2016, Orlando, Florida, 50 dead, 53 injured. 2017, Sutherland Springs, Texas, 27 dead, 20 injured. 2017, Las Vegas, Nevada, 59 dead, 851 injured, 422 from gunfire. And they never figured out why this guy did it. He didn't leave any information. He didn't leave, you know, there was, there was apparently no reason. He just went into a hotel room and started shooting at a, uh, uh, at a music festival. It's insane. 2018, Santa Fe, Texas, 10 dead, 14 injured. 2018, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 11 dead, 7 injured. 2018 again, Parkland, Florida, 17 dead, 17 injured at a high school. 2018, Thousand Oaks, California, 13 dead, 25 injured. 2019, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 13 dead, 5 injured. 2019 again, El Paso, Texas, 23 dead, 23 injured. 2019 yet again, Dayton, Ohio, 10 dead, 27 injured. There weren't really very many in 2020, no more than 10 killed. I'm not sure if COVID had something to do with that, but then we have 2021, Boulder, Colorado, 10 dead, 2 injured. You'll note that that was just last week, and that the shootings the week before in Atlanta, Georgia, didn't make this list because, quote, only, unquote, eight people were killed. If you look at the list in the Wikipedia page that I've linked to in the notes, you'll see that the shootings listed above, as bad as they were, are only a fraction of the mass shootings that have occurred in the last seven decades or so. And the vast, vast, vast majority were undertaken mostly by men, mostly in their late teens or early 20s, and uh, white men, almost exclusively. I've also noticed that mass shootings are getting a lot more frequent and that, in general, the body count is going up. This is getting ridiculous. I thought that when an idiot shot up a school and killed 20 little kids, it might make a dent in the thick skulls of the take-it-from-my-cold-dead-hands crowd, but no! The only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, they yelled. In almost every case, the bad guy with a gun, who shot up a school, theater, store, post office, or whatever, was a law-abiding citizen with a gun right up to the point where he started shooting innocent people. So I've had it. No more Mr. Nice Guy. It's time to start the process to repeal the Second Amendment. I don't expect to see that happen in my lifetime, but we need to start getting people to take a look at the Second Amendment as it's being applied today and maybe start thinking, do we really need it anymore? I didn't think I'd see gay marriage in my lifetime either, and the turnaround on that happened over the course of about 10 years. So who knows? 
On the day the U.S. Constitution was signed, September 17, 1787, the United States of America was 13 states, an infant country that could not afford a large standing army. This new country was embarking on an unprecedented experiment in governance of the people, by the people, and for the people, as our 16th president would say about 76 years later. It was still not clear that the experiment would work. Initially, a Bill of Rights wasn't considered necessary because the Constitution was written to enumerate the powers of the U.S. government with separation of powers into legislative, judicial, and executive branches to enforce checks and balances so no single branch could become too powerful. However, in order to get the new Constitution ratified, Federalists, such as James Madison, insisted that there must be a way to amend it. This paved the way for the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments, ratified on December 15, 1791. Today, I want to talk about the Second Amendment, as I said. The Second Amendment is, quote, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, unquote. Note that, in general, strong advocates of unfettered access to weapons rarely mention the first clause of the single sentence that makes up this amendment. Again, that first clause is a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The prevailing attitude in the late 18th century U.S. was that a full-time paid military was only necessary in time of war against foreign adversaries. In peacetime, it was thought part-time militias of ordinary citizens using their own weapons was all that was required. But the Constitution gave the federal government the power to raise and support armies and a navy and call up and, quote, provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia, unquote. That's in Article 1, Section 8, Clauses 11 through 14 that gives the federal government that power. There was, and actually still is, a concern that the federal government might use its power to raise a standing full-time army to take over the state militias and disarm their members. So James Madison proposed the Second Amendment to empower state militias, state militias, I'm going to say that again, state militias, which are now known as the National Guard. In other words, you have the right, as a citizen, to join a well-regulated militia in other words, the National Guard, and use your own weapon. The Second Amendment, as written, does not give every citizen the right to own a firearm. This is not my opinion. This is what James Madison wrote in the Constitution back in 1791. Also, keep in mind that in the late 18th century, firearms were very primitive. The most commonly used firearms were muzzle-loading, unrifled muskets. Their muzzle velocity was low compared to modern weapons, and they weren't very accurate a well-trained soldier could reload a musket in about 20 seconds. Now, imagine how different the Columbine, Sandy Hook, or Parkland, Florida shootings would have been if the shooters had to stop for 20 seconds to reload between shots. In my humble opinion, if you want to join the National Guard and get trained in the use of muzzle-loading black powder firearms that are your personal property, knock yourself out. That's what the founders had in mind for all you originalists out there. There are already laws and regulations against owning fully automatic weapons, machine guns, tanks, mortars, nuclear bombs, etc., and for very good reasons. I don't think most folks object to those regulations or claim that they violate the Second Amendment. So, even with the Second Amendment still in place, it doesn't seem unreasonable to limit the sale of military-style semi-automatic rifles, often referred to as assault weapons, and semi-automatic handguns. 
If you want a rifle for hunting, there's no need for a magazine that holds more than about four rounds. If you miss on the first round, your prey is going to exit stage left at high speed. You might be able to get in one or two more shots. So why would you need an extended magazine? If you want a weapon for home protection, your best bet is a shotgun or maybe a revolver. Shotguns don't require precise aiming, and the shot is unlikely to penetrate walls, ceilings, or floors, so you won't accidentally take out a neighbor instead of the intruder. Revolvers are a lot more reliable than semi-automatics. They're easier to clean and easier to use. And if you can't get out of trouble with six shots, you're in way over your head. Again, imagine how different the Parkland or Sandy Hook shootings would have been if the shooter had had to stop and reload after six shots, or even 12 shots if he was carrying two revolvers. It takes a while to reload a revolver, even with a speed loader, so someone could have tackled him, and it would have cut way down on the death toll. I've had folks tell me they want a gun to protect themselves from home invasion robberies. As it turns out, armed home invasions are a vanishingly small percentage of the crimes in the United States. According to PolitiFact, and there's a link in the notes, there are about 100 burglaries a year in the U.S. that result in a homicide. There are about 128 million households in the United States. That makes, if I'm doing the math correctly, the chances of your house being invaded by armed burglars while you are there something like 0.0005%. That percentage might be slightly higher or lower depending on where you live, but the percentage is still extremely low. We need to decide if the death toll from mass shootings is worth the very slight chance that we'll have armed robberies break into our house. Because, of course, you would never snap and go out and start shooting people. But there's obviously a lot of people who would, because they are. And most burglars break into houses during the day when the occupants aren't home. So if you keep a gun in your home and accidentally surprise a burglar when you get home, there's a good possibility that he'll shoot you with your own gun. But I digress. As I've said, in my humble opinion, it's time to start the process of getting the citizens of this country used to the idea of repealing the Second Amendment, or at least modifying it, or clarifying it. It's doing more harm than good, again, in my opinion. The United States is the only democracy in the world with anything like the Second Amendment. Other democracies get along just fine without a citizen's right to bear arms. Consider Canada. About 22% of Canadian households have at least one firearm. I think they're mostly long guns for hunting. And there's about 2.3% of Canadian households who own handguns. And yet, their national government has not turned into a totalitarian state. Yes, there are mass shootings in Canada, but nowhere near as many as we have here in the United States. I chose Canada because they're probably the most similar country in the world to the United States. But if you look at Western Europe, the, there is no right to own firearms in any of the democracies in Western Europe, and none of them have turned into totalitarian states. At least, not recently. By comparison, I read recently that there are currently more guns than citizens in the United States. That's freaking insane. I mean, citizens, every citizen in the United States, men, women, and children. I'm not advocating making guns illegal. I have an antique shotgun that I inherited from my father that I'd like to keep. I don't have any shells for it, and it would need some attention from a gunsmith if I decided ever to use it, but I'm keeping it for sentimental reasons. It's the gun I used the one time I went hunting in my early 20s. 
And I don't hate guns. I'm fascinated by guns. I love the precision mechanism. On the rare occasions I've fired a gun, I've been a fairly good shot. It's an amazing feeling to aim at something and actually hit it. But I can get that feeling I have a little BB gun. If I feel like target shooting, I can take it out in the backyard legally and shoot at a target. So I can get that feeling, although I have to say, you know, the feeling of an explosion going off in your hand is kind of a rush. You know, I've been skeet shooting and it's a lot of fun. But that was a long time ago. And I digress again. I just want ownerships of guns to be regulated the same way that, say, the driving privilege is regulated. Cars in the hands of people who don't know what they're doing are very, very dangerous, and so are guns. As long as gun ownership is seen inaccurately, in my opinion, as a constitutional right for everyone, it will be difficult or impossible to implement the common sense regulation that the events of the last several decades show to be necessary. So, enough of that. Maybe next week I'll take on something non-controversial, like stopping the war on drugs, or passing a federal law stating that a woman's right to choose whether to use birth control or have an abortion is absolute, no matter what someone else's religion says about it. Or, let's start with something easy like legalizing marijuana at the federal level. Well, well, I... I, I, I. Quote of the week. Where there is no joy, there can be no courage, and without courage, all other virtues are useless. That's from Edward Abbey in his book, Desert Solitaire, which I happen to be reading right now. And now for something completely different. Hey, I hear you are on trial for stealing some luggage. Yeah, but they let me off. It was a briefcase. That's back to AARP newsletter jokes. If you have feedback, especially better jokes, send me an email at seniorgeek49 at gmail.com. Ah! There's links to a whole bunch of web pages I used to research today's script in the show notes. I encourage you to plunge down a Second Amendment rabbit hole for a few hours just to get some perspective. The music in this episode is all from the website freepd.com. It's managed and maintained by a guy named Kevin McLeod, who also provides quite a bit of the free music. His Patreon page is patreon.com slash K-M-A-C-L-E-O-D. K. McLeod, if you want to support him. There's a link in the notes. This music is all in the public domain, but I like to give credit where credit is due. So, the intro and outro music this week is Inventing Flight by Brian Tech. The news music bed is Stereotype News by Raphael Nux. The editorial music bed is Be Chillin' by Alexander Nakarada. As I'm sure you're sick of hearing, my Patreon page is patreon.com slash seniorgeek. If you can, please pledge at least $2 a month. Once again, thanks to Sam Coulter and Greg Balin for their continued support. Want me to give you a shout out? Then pledge! If you don't want to mess with setting up a Patreon account, just send me a buck or two on Venmo. My Venmo ID is at SeniorGeek49. If you have an Apple device, open the podcast app, search for Diary of a Senior Geek, and rate it however many stars you think it's worth. Five, if you can. You have no idea how much that helps people find this podcast. Please send me feedback, as I said, at SeniorGeek49 at gmail.com. Someday, somebody's going to send me an email. That's it for this week. 
Uh, that's great. Listen, you're a real hoot. Wear a mask and keep your distance when you're out in public. Black Lives Matter. Be the bigger person. Listen more than you talk. Occasionally, just occasionally consider that you might be wrong about something. And remember, you are going to be okay. This is Gary Fisher for Diary of a Senior Geek. Peace. Up next, the masterful performance of Mayor Poot Buttigieg in his Senate confirmation hearing this morning. You are making a mountain out of a molehill. Oh, that's quite a trick. You try that sometime.